Gentle Thief, written and performed by Amanda Dixon. Episode 12. In episode 11, it's Christmas Eve, and Maddie Johnson finds a gift she wants to give to Consolier. She shops for food she'll prepare for him that night and the next day, then hurries home. She bakes a chicken and takes a bath and waits for him. While she's waiting, there is a knock at the door. It's her ex-husband, Robert Abel. He doesn't want to have to tell her what he tells her, which is that he's come from the bar, and he saw Con there with his arm around another woman. Maddie waits up late into the night, and Con never comes. Not that night, and not the next day. And now episode 12 of A Gentle Thief. April 1974. Maddie couldn't seem to do her hair. She'd already put the pretty white dress on with the bell sleeves and the satin tie. That was progress, at least. But she couldn't shake the dread from this day, the fakeness of it, the questions she'd surely be bludgeoned with when she got home to her mom later that night. She didn't want to smile for pictures and pretend this was a happy day in her life. It wasn't. She didn't want to be congratulated by strangers. This was not a day of celebration for her. It was the exclamation point on the death sentence for her family. Game over. It was her dad's wedding day, his second wedding day, and he was ecstatic. He could hardly contain himself in the morning, scurrying around looking for his wallet, ironing his shirt, then ironing it again to make sure the creases were just right. He had made Maddie a huge breakfast two hours before, eggs with cheese and French toast and cherry tomatoes sliced just the way she liked them. While she ate, he sat next to her and talked nonstop about what he and Samantha were going to do on their honeymoon next week in Florida. It's where her family lives, he reminded her. Her dad was getting married. It was all too weird. She reached for the curling iron. Maddie hadn't really talked to her friends much about it, not that she had many of those. Their parents weren't divorced, so they wouldn't get it. She tried talking to her friend Callie once, but it hadn't gone well. Callie told her lots of people's parents get divorced, that it was no big deal, and that she should just get over it and feel grateful that her dad was so cool. Yeah, right. Maddie's mom had gotten progressively sicker as the day approached. Not sicker as in down with the flu or diagnosed with cancer. Sicker as in the twisted thing she would say to Maddie. He just wants to have sex with her, you know. Maddie's mother would gripe, seemingly unaware that it was her 13-year-old daughter she was talking to. That's all men care about. They don't care about you or how small they make you feel. They just care about themselves. As Maddie got older, she had started talking back to her mother. That's not true, Mom. What do you know about men? Her mother hated being interrupted. Not a lot, but obviously more than you. He's brainwashing you. I knew I should have forbidden his having so much visitation with you that it would warp you beyond repair, and it obviously has. You don't see what a sick, disgusting man he is, and you don't appreciate how hard it's been for me to be thrown away like a piece of garbage. Her mother started crying an angry cry, which usually got to Maddie, but today she felt fatigue from being used, still sympathetic, but tired. Mom, 
Maddie put her hand on her mother's leg. It's okay. You're doing just fine. We're doing just fine. What Dad does now doesn't affect you anymore. How can you say that? It's not true. And it shows how little you understand. Everything that pig does affects me. This is a small town, Maddie. People talk. I'm coming to be known as the one Ike Johnson threw away for his trophy wife. Maddie knew what that term meant because her mother had used it many times before. She's not a trophy wife. She's the same age as you are. Oh, so now you're picking her side? I suppose you and Samantha are buddy-buddy now. So, do you sit around painting your fingernails, reading People magazine together? Her voice was getting more shrill. That's just great. Why don't you call Samantha and see if she can come over and have a sleepover and help you clean your room? With that, Maddie's mother took the picture of Maddie and her father that was sitting on top of Maddie's nightstand and threw it against her wall. The glass shattered and the frame fell cracked to the floor. Cookie Johnson looked around to see if there was anything else to throw. Seeing nothing but clothes on the floor and some books on the bureau, she threw her arms up in the air and said, Why do you make me so crazy? Then she left the room. You look beautiful, Samantha said to Maddie when she saw her standing by the gazebo. Thanks, Maddie replied. She thought to say, so do you, but she just couldn't. Her mom would have hated that. Are you nervous? Samantha asked. No, I don't have to do anything. It's still a big day for you. Samantha looked right into her eyes with this expression like, like she'd postponed the ceremony if Maddie needed to talk. I'm good, was all she could think of to say. Good. I just want you to know that I will never try to replace your mother. I know that I could never do that anyway, but I won't try. I mean, I love your father. I love him so much, but I will never take him from you. He will always be your dad, will always be there for you. And now, so will I. Time at her dad's became more and more about Samantha. Samantha's cooking, Samantha's plans for a trip to the shore, Samantha's napping. Could you keep the sound on the television down? Samantha's making good money at the bank and is planning to take us back to Disney World someday. Maddie didn't want to go back to Disney World. Not ever. She just wished her dad would stop trying to remake her life in this golden image. She was 16 now. She didn't need Mickey Mouse. She needed a car which Samantha was figuring out a way to buy her. Maddie just couldn't be grateful. If she gave in to gratitude, it would cut the last tendon holding her anger, herself, together. Samantha is quite the investor, her dad said one night over dinner. Dinner was always a grand production now. No more microwave-frozen dinners or buckets of chicken from Kentucky Fried. Now it was pieces of fish with asparagus on the side and homemade lasagna with fresh basil and oregano. She's been investing some money she inherited in the stock market, her dad went on. It's going pretty good so far, Samantha downplayed it. Great, Maddie said. What did this have to do with her? So we were thinking we would be able to buy you a car now, her dad offered up on a platter. Really? Maddie had not thought that would actually happen. None of her friend's parents bought them a car when they turned 16. Sometimes they got to drive the old family car, or even borrow the new family car, but never did they have one of their own. Yep, her dad said with conviction. I tried to talk Samantha out of it, told her you might not be ready for the responsibility of your own car, but she's determined. And you know when this woman sets her mind to something. Do you have any kind of particular car in mind? Samantha wanted to give Maddie a choice. 
I don't know, I get to choose? Makes sense to me, since it will be your car, Samantha replied. He's trying to buy your forgiveness, her mother jibed. He's not buying it. She is, Maddie corrected. Not without my permission, she's not. She is not your mother. I still get to call the shots in your life until you're 18, and I have not decided if I'm going to approve this car or not. Mom, what are you talking about? You complain all the time that you don't have enough money for anything, that you hate my borrowing your car all the time, that you wish I could help out more. If I have this car, I won't need to be asking you for rides every day, and I'd be able to go to the store for you or whatever you need. I'm sure you don't need a Corvette to go to the store for me. It's ridiculous, a Corvette for a 16-year-old girl. What's so ridiculous about it? Young girls drive sports cars all the time if they have the money. Yeah, well, we don't. But she does. I'm so sick of talking about Samantha this and Samantha that I could just throw up. You are forbidden from saying her name in this house ever again. I do not want to hear the word Samantha ever until the day I die. Do you understand me? Never again. Her mother was starting to get that weird look on her face. Maddie did not point out that she had not said her name in the first place. Her mom did. I won't say your name if you'll just let me have the car. I suppose you're going to take it no matter what I say. You're not even considering how this makes me feel. She's throwing her money in my face, using you as a pawn to get to me, and you're just going to let her do it. Excuse me, Mom, but how is this about you? It's not about me. It's about that worthless, amoral father of yours who's run off and married some floozy who probably bled her last husband dry for all he's worth, and now she's showing off by throwing money all over town. Was Samantha married before? Maddie didn't know. Doesn't your father tell you anything? Yes, she was married. She probably ran out on her first husband the same way your father ran out on me. Things did seem to improve a little after Maddie got the car. Her friends wanted to go places after school, sometimes during school. She would drive them to Dunkin' Donuts and Pizza Hut, drive all through the back roads, just killing time and enjoying the way the steering wheel handled the road. It brought out a side of Maddie she had never experienced before. Her closed-off bookworm self was still there, still the dominant part of who she was. But here was this wild thing. She liked to play blondie music loud on the stereo, drive too fast, wear sunglasses, and let the wind whip her hair around through the teetop. Maddie spent less and less time with her father the summer after she turned 16. Hey, honey, want to go to a movie or get something to eat after? We could drive over to that place that makes the homemade peanut butter ice cream, her dad asked when she answered the phone. No, thanks. I miss you. Want to come over tomorrow night, then? We don't have to go to a movie if you don't feel like it. We could just hang out. Aren't you and Samantha doing anything? No, she's working late all this week, getting ready for some conference. But even if she was here, she likes seeing you, too, you know. I guess so. So what about tomorrow night? I don't know. Maybe. What's wrong, honey? Everything okay? Yeah, I've just got a lot of stuff going on, and you've got Samantha. Her dad hesitated. Don't you like Samantha, Maddie? No, I mean, that's not it. It's just, you guys are just so happy. There's not a lot of room left over. That's not true. We want you around. Both of us do. 
Samantha asks about you all the time. She wants to be a part of your life. Well, that's not going to happen, Dad. Maddie was getting bored with this conversation. She was getting bored with most things having to do with her parents. She just didn't want to hear it anymore. She couldn't stand her mother's lectures on her father's immorality. She didn't want any more big meals and painfully interested facial expressions from her stepmother. And she didn't want to be her dad's friend. They weren't friends. A friend wouldn't have left her like that. So Maddie drove and listened to music. Her car and the winding Pennsylvania roads were her company. She liked the way you never knew what was around a corner. You'd come into a hairpin turn at 50 miles an hour and only touch the brake at the last moment. The Corvette could handle it. And if there was a slow truck on the other side, you could always blow by it in the other lane or hit the brakes. The vet responded so well to every little touch. One Saturday in June, Maddie's mother was on one. From the minute Maddie walked into the kitchen, she could tell her mother had been waiting for her to get up. Do you know what the women at church ask me? They tell me it will be harder for you to get into heaven with that Corvette strapped to your back than for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle. I should never have allowed that tramp to buy you such a ridiculous present. I slept well, thanks. How'd you sleep, Mom? Maddie said dryly. Listen to me. I want you to give that car back. I want to preserve your soul even if you don't. I want you to walk away from that car and all of the trouble it could cause you. And I want you to spend a little more time on your knees, young lady. Having a car has nothing to do with whether or not I'm spiritual. You don't think so? Then tell me why Jesus didn't think it was a good idea to cruise around Bethlehem in the most expensive whatever it was then. Did you ever think about that? If having expensive things was important, why didn't Jesus have them? Jesus doesn't hate rich people. No, of course he doesn't. He doesn't hate anyone. But he knows what's in your heart, Missy, and he knows you need to give that car back. Maddie poured some orange juice and walked back to her bedroom without saying anything. This could not turn out well. She put her jeans on with a T-shirt and grabbed her purse. She didn't stop to brush her teeth or hair. She just came out of her bedroom and left the house without saying goodbye. Her mother called after her. Where are you going? To give the car back! Maddie yelled and slammed the door. She didn't know if that was what she was going to do, but she was thinking she'd go try to get her dad on her side, which shouldn't be hard. Maybe her dad could talk some sense into her mom. Yeah, wait a minute. That wasn't going to happen. Maddie put in the journey cassette and cranked it up. She drove the back roads to her dad's house. She felt tears of frustration building behind her eyes. Why couldn't everybody just leave her alone? Why did her family have to be so screwed up? She gunned it and went into a curve at 55 miles an hour. Samantha had been thinking about Maddie when she woke up that morning. The light coming through the bedroom window was beautiful. Something about the way the dust particles were dancing on the rays of light reminded her of Maddie, of her long golden hair, of the light behind the sadness in her eyes. She lied in bed, enjoying the laziness of those minutes on a Saturday when there was nowhere to be. Ike had gotten up some time before. She rolled over onto his side of the bed. It was cool. She grabbed his pillow and pulled it to her. She could lay here all day in bed, just stretching and napping, but she had shopping to do and a gift to buy for a baby shower she was going to next week. While she was in the bathroom, she heard Ike come in the bedroom. "'Morning,' he said through the door. 
morning, she said back. Oh, how she loved this man. Did you sleep well? He asked. So good, she purred. What you doing today? Just a little shopping this morning. I need to get that gift for Mary's shower and stop at Weiss for groceries, but that's all. Do you want to do something later? Looks like such a pretty day. Sure. Like what? Oh, I don't know. Maybe we could go to a movie or... I don't want to be inside on this nice of a day. Right, right, okay. How about lunch somewhere and a walk? That sounds great. How long do you think you'll be? Oh, a couple of hours. I'll be back soon. Do you want to come with me? No, I'd like to get some things done around the house while you do your errands. Okay, she said as she came out of the bathroom and kissed him softly on the lips before hugging him close. I am the luckiest woman in the whole world. And I am the luckiest man. On the way to the baby boutique, Samantha thought again of Maddie. Maybe she would stop somewhere and pick something up for her. Nothing big. Just a book or a movie pass or something. Just something to let her know she was thinking of her. She did not see the car as she came around the turn. It hit her head on, crushing the hood of the Mazda like a Coke can and slamming her little car into a huge old oak tree. The car pinned her against the tree. Samantha couldn't hear anything, but she could smell blood. She worried whether the person in the other car was okay and prayed she hadn't hurt anyone. She thought of her husband and hoped he wouldn't worry if she was late. A man appeared at her side. There was a woman with him. The woman seemed to say, Oh, dear God, before she fainted. <laughs> 